we're rolling. We're ready anytime you are. <laughs> oh, I'm ready anytime you are. Okay. Hi, Chris. Hey, Sharon. I mean, hello. Chris. Hello, Sharon. If we do another podcast, are we going to do that same thing? Is that like our, uh, our I don't thing know. Now? I mean, we can. Or I don't is mind. that just our crown cast thing? It doesn't feel like just a crown cast thing. Doesn't to me either. Maybe we can jazz it up a little bit for the next podcast. Hello, 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 Chris. Hey, Sharon. <laughs> Why won't you sing into the microphone? Uh, I don't know. Mostly self-confidence, I think. Oh, you sing really nicely. Yeah, well. You used to sing Pink Floyd songs to me in my ear and at my wedding. Sang them very poorly that night. I don't remember. Sorry. I don't think most people do. <laughs> it was past my bedtime. That's true. It was so late. It was way past my bedtime. What time did we get married? It was after looking dinner. Looking around. I don't know. It was after dinner. It, it was seven-ish. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Right. Because we, we ate and then we went and changed clothes, too. Right. And then there was the thing that Sharon wasn't told about until after the wedding. Did you get flimflammed? I was totally flimflammed. About what? About the food? The shirts. Oh, the shirts. The yeah. tuxedo shirts. Well, I don't feel like packed. that was a huge deal, so. It, well, I'm just saying it took a lot of time yeah. for the best man to <clears throat> drive into town. Right. Find new shirts. Bring them back, put them on. Right. I have no idea how long it took between dinner and the wedding. I don't either. It's kind of a time warp for me. So. Right. It was a lot of fun, though. It was. It was a good wedding. It's a good wedding. Wood wed again. Wood wed. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've reconfirmed our marriage in front of the world, you are welcome. Let's move on to Crowncast. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. Season two, episode five. Marionettes. We're halfway through this season. We are. It's I'm going quickly. Getting really excited about season three. Yeah. My friend Deb has been texting me about season three. And what I'm like, la, 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 I can't <laughs> hear you. <laughs> Not that there's a lot of spoilers. It's a historic thing. Sure. So you can't really have spoilers, but. Right. She wants to talk about it. And I'm like, I can't watch it yet. <laughs> and I'm glad we aren't watching it yet. I'm really glad we're having this recap of the first couple of seasons. Even Deb said that it had been so long since she's watched seasons one and season two that she feels like season three is so much better. But she might be wrong because she doesn't really remember the first two seasons. So <laughs> I'm glad we're doing these previous seasons and I'm glad we're doing it really thoroughly now. It's really nice to be taking notes and getting the memory stuck in there of what exactly happens in right. season one and season two. Right. So that when we go into season three, we really and truly know what's going on. That's true. We will. Mm hmm. I'm wondering what it will be like to watch those episodes for the first time and take notes and evaluate the episodes. I was just wondering about that myself. And I may even propose that we watch them twice. Once for the enjoyment and once for the podcast. Yeah. Okay. I could do that. 
and it may give us an idea of what we want to investigate a little bit and look into and check the history. Yeah, I don't do research. Let me rephrase. Might give me the opportunity to see what kind of history to look into and what kind of backup information to have and just kind of think about it a little bit before I go right into. You know, I'm totally going to do research for the next podcast, though. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of research comes out of that. You sound like you're mocking me. (laughs) You sound like you're mocking me. Wow. That was well played. So listeners, that's the kind of stuff that Chris and I do all the time when we that are we wish you were here alone for. together, that we were like, you know, we need to bring other people in on this shit. <laughs> I mean, we're too good for just us. <laughs> we need an audience. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome new listeners. <laughs> two episode five of the crown marionettes marionettes season two episode five of the crown cast yes the muppets take balmoral that's amazing you like i love it (laughs) i really really love it okay headlines we start with headlines we do and again we start halfway through the episode yeah and then start in the middle and they work their way back and then get to the middle again and then keep going they didn't do it like three times though so that was good that's true they did it the once it's still not enough for me it's difficult to tell immediately when they go back sometimes it's not so hard but this time it was kind of a little what there was a little choppiness in there yeah when they went back but whatever headlines pier attacks the queen and we see a, a sternly walking gentleman reading the paper He's wearing medals. He put medals on. He's dressed up in his Sunday best. Storming. Storming the castle. Well, storming the newspaper station. Storming the ITN. <laughs> and, he, and he punches a bloke in the face. Yes. Uh, who we find out is Lord Altrincham. He spit on his shoes, too. He did. Called him a traitor. Yeah. They were throwing that word around a lot. Called him a traitor, spit on his shoes. So naturally... <laughs> Too bad he didn't get a white feather, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Downton crossover joke. <laughs> it's too easy. Someone said something about a, a TV news interview. I don't. I didn't write everything down, but there was mention of the TV news interview. Okay. And then we come back to it later. Okay. But uh, in the beginning, like we're we're seeing a lot of bad press about Elizabeth. Yeah, and I wasn't really sure what was going on. Yeah, no, I wasn't either. But so we figured it out because we we're smart. Because we got there. Because we watched the show. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, Game of Thrones lady made some toffee, but then Lord Altrincham doesn't really like it. Bothers his teeth. It does. I think she likes him. They were spending all of their outside the office time together. Mm-hmm. So 
And then fervent speech writing at the palace. This is for the Jaguar factory speech? Yes. Okay, so we skipped a couple of things that I just wanted to mention real quick. Jump on in there. I neglected to reread my notes and do the research on this for this time, so this will be a question for next week. Is there really a guy who maintains the clocks throughout the castle? Because that guy was old. Right. He was really old. And I really had the feeling that he had worked for fucking Queen Victoria or something and was still there. Well, he had a he had an understudy with him. And he had another person with him. So I'm going to look at that for next week. That's a good question. The I, Queen's clock keeper. It seems perfectly reasonable that there's a, a clock keeper. Even now when they all have the time on their phones. You think the Queen carries around an iPhone? Well, she has the purse. What's in that purse? I can tell you. Oh. <laughs> I was being rhetorical. Mints. Right. A tissue. Uh-huh. Eyeglass case. Sure. I think there's one other thing, but I can't remember what it is. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to research that as well? Negative ghostwriting. <laughs> hey, Google. What's the fourth thing that the Don't say that. She'll purse? listen. She's listening right now. Google cancel. Cancel. You're going to bring down the monarchy like that. <laughs> That's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. How the hell did we get? Oh, okay. I know how we got onto that. It's going to be one of those episodes. Does the queen carry? I know the queen probably doesn't carry an iPhone. Maybe she does. Maybe she likes to get pictures of the grandkids. I, maybe. I don't know. Never thought about it before. Well, look for that, too. Okay. She doesn't carry it in her purse, though, so she probably doesn't have one. And she certainly doesn't carry it in her purse in 1957. Yeah, it's true. So, so are we up to the speech writing yet? No, you skipped her blowout. She got her hair done. Oh, right. She got her hair done just like a normal human being does. And she trusted her hairstylist just like a normal human being does. And I can totally relate. Duh. Chris is bald. So that was a joke. And she comes out on the other end of the blowout looking kind of, well, prim. A little dour. Indeed. Uh, Philip was awfully mean about that. He was a little. He was. Made his point a little sharp. He was on the ass end of the jackasso meteor. <laughs> yeah he was yeah. a little yeah he was that's not how i would like you to tell me if i came home with a hairstyle that you didn't enjoy looking at though that's never happened and i've come home with some with some doozies some pretty awesome hairstyles <laughs> remember my mohawk phase oh i do Also known as the Cindy Lou Who haircut. <laughs> that was fun. It was. Let's talk about the speech. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're up to the fervent speech writing. Michael is in the room, the private secretary. Mm -hmm. He's the one doing the speech writing, and I guess he's reading it off to the other people in there. I don't know who the other people were. Okay. Somebody pipes up and didn't like a word and thought, right. thought it was a little... Uh, negative. A little negative, a little judgy. Yeah. Michael rereads it out loud. He's like, no, it's fine. No, he's fine. 
So we're kind of like the old guard. Michael and Tommy are sort of like sure. propping up the old institutions, trying to keep the us and them going between the, the royals and the commons. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had it in the wrong order. Then I have it in all caps. I have the queen gets a haircut. See? It's <laughs> okay. Because then comes the Jaguar speech itself. Right. So it's really in a fine order. Yeah. So she goes to the Jaguar factory to give the speech. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice scene with her walking through the factory and shaking hands and talking about the machinists and the artists and what they do. That was kind of cool. Right. And the first thing I thought while she was giving the speech was she's talking way too slow. But then I thought she may have to do that because she's on the radio. And then I actually started listening to the words. Yeah, the words were bad. <laughs> and she's talking to the workers about your dreary lives. Yes. You poor rubes and your jaguar <laughs> making. Many of you are leading uneventful, lonely lives. Where dreariness is the enemy. Perhaps you don't understand that on your steadfastness, and ability to withstand the fatigue of dull, repetitive work depend in great measure the happiness and prosperity of the community as a whole. Even when your life seems most monotonous, you are needed. You are all very tiny cogs (laughs) in a great big wheel that props up the palace. So we need you. Yeah, that was great. So even if you're in the midst of depression, keep calm and Jaguar on. <laughs> so uh, coincidentally, Lord Altricam is at the dentist and hears the speech. Right. You know, so we find out that he, in addition to not liking toffee very much, doesn't like the dentist because he runs out of the room. And then he goes and writes a piece about it, about yes. what the queen says. Yes. There was a bit between Michael and Tommy and Martin. Collectively known as the mustaches. Yeah, the the dreaded mustaches. Martin was trying to get Michael to revise the speech, thinking it was a little too antiquated, a little too tone deaf. Right. And uh, that got completely vetoed. They were talking about how the newspapers might interpret the speech. Oh. And that she would get negative press. Right. You know, Michael gave the old song and dance about how the newspapers prop up the monarchy because yada, 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 blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And Martin kind of didn't buy it, but didn't have a choice. Right. Got overruled. Right. And so, of course, Lord Altrium wrote his piece mm-hmm. to be truthful. Right. Without deference to the crown. Yeah. And that, of course, started the whole kerfuffle. Lord Altrincham. His name is spelled with a C, not a G. Right. So I'm kind of confused about the pronunciation. Disclaimed his title in 1963 and was then known as John Grigg. Here are some of the quotes I pulled off of the internets. John Grigg shook Britain when he suggested that the queen and the courtiers who supported her were out of touch with her subjects. Okay. He made these accusations in 1953. At the time of the coronation, but nobody paid any attention. Right. Because it wasn't the mood. Sure. But by 1957, 
the national mood had shifted. Britain had just gotten its first independent television network. Uh-huh. The BBC would not go near him. They gave him no airtime, but the new commercial network did. Which is why they had him on the, the talk show after, mm-hmm. after he wrote his piece. Right. He was a great monarchist. He wasn't a Republican when he criticized the queen. He was criticizing the fact that the queen and the old fashioned courtiers were not serving the monarchy well in their style. Right. Claire Foy said it's a real point of change for her and a real point of weakness in her character. She becomes very affected by how the public perceives her. Mm. That's not something she's ever had to deal with being criticized. Suddenly to be criticized and have her voice and what she looks like becoming something that everyone's talking about. That's when she's really vulnerable. Right. So that's why they brought the whole hair thing into. Sure. To show that she was kind of being criticized. On, right. Well, now, on too, every like, side. we'll be watching for this through the rest of this season. Right. Like there will be echoes of this goings on throughout, throughout the rest of Claire Foy's performance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he got slugged. Yeah, so old dude had walked up to him because he thought he was a traitor, didn't like what he said, mm-hmm. whopped him in the face. But then as we come to find out, at least in the world of the show, mm-hmm. after he goes on the ITN show, the talk show, mm-hmm. he, you know, he made his points succinctly and respectfully. Right. And like he goes out to the pub and people are cheering him in the yeah. pub. Yeah, he takes Lily Allen's brother's TV sister out to the pub for a drink. Oh, that's amazing. And you know what? What? They got married the next year. The the actors or the people? The people. Okay. That's awesome. Lord. Lord Altrincham. Lord Altrincham and the toffee maker. Secretary Ironborn. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Two really different characters she's playing there. Oh, shit. And I think the first time we watched this episode, we were like, who is that? I know her. I know her. Who is that? Because she was just so different. We had right. to look her up. Well, and I, it took me a minute this time around. Like, I I could see it was somebody. Right. And then my memory, like, my brain remade that connection. And I was right. like, oh, my God, it's that woman. <laughs> so awesome it was so awesome like a for the day on acting she's a great actor oh yeah they get the best as is the the crown's usual habit Mm -hmm. they they pop off to scotland Mm -hmm. for something and the look on claire foy's face as she's driving through scotland i like to think is similar to the look on my face When we drive through Scotland. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. Well, I guess that was the idea anyway, was to get away. And she was just getting away in the beautiful Scottish countryside. So gorgeous. All of the actors in this show are really good with their face acting. Mm -hmm. They, They emote so much through so little. Right. So we go to, to Balmoral to do some hunting. Right. It's a neat scene. It's beautiful. I mean, it's well. It's, I mean, except for animals dying. It's well, beautiful. right. I don't know. It's it's a neat scene to me, just because I guess Scotland and the the ridiculousness of what royalty does with its spare time. Right. 
like, oh, I'm just going to vacation. We'll pop on the Harry Potter train, go up to my castle in Scotland. Right. And have somebody walk me out to where I can hunt something by pushing the button. So they're there. Head speechwriter comes to her and says, all these things happen. People are very upset. It's all over the news. It's bad. Oh, and she yells at him. He got chewed out bad. And I thought she was going to turn around and apologize, and she did not. You're not welcome! And after his telling off, he just sort of uh, took a step back and bowed, and that was it. Yep. Because she was like, you know, I gave that speech because I trusted you. Right. They're her speechwriters. I mean, that's her personal secretary. That's her number one. Right. Wouldn't you agree, number one? Mm. Yeah. I mean, at least she stuck to the script, unlike some current <sighs> leaders. Some who people we know don't. Who are jackasses. The PM is frightened for the monarchy, which seems to be a prevalent theme this it's season. It's a recurring theme. Like any little thing is going to tear down the monarchy. He's seen other countries taken over by the republics and the monarchies fall. Right. So he's worried about that. And now, with that being said, I want to talk about Prince Harry. Oh, okay. Current events. I want to talk about current events. A new segment on our show. So I'm curious, as of this taping, Prince Harry and his family have stepped down as senior members of the monarchy and are planning to split their time between England and North America. It was kind of cute that they said North America. It's Canada. They're not coming here. They're not stupid. They're actually very smart. And I wonder if the people surrounding the monarchy, the personal secretaries and things like that. I wonder if they're feeling this again. If they're feeling that this is the fall of the monarchy. It's funny that you say that because... You and I talked briefly about current events before we watched The Crown tonight. Right. And sort of decided that it didn't really apply, that we weren't going to do that. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, it kind of applies a lot. It totally applies a lot right now. And so that is, that's really funny that you brought that up. And if they do think it might be pointing towards the fall of the monarchy... Is that necessarily a bad thing? Is it a bad thing? That's a completely legit question. Last time on the podcast, we talked about what exactly holds the monarchy together. Right. Some of the things that I've been reading have kind of said that Prince William's son will probably never be king. That just the way things are evolving. And these were written before the announcement Mm -hmm. that Harry and Meghan were moving, that things were just going to kind of fizzle out, that people don't believe in the monarchy as much anymore. I know you think it's a load of horse shit. Yeah. Even though you love watching The Crown. I like the show for the show. Uh Uh-huh. You know, the things that they're showing us in the 60 minutes of each episode Mm -hmm. happen like two to five years apart. Right. That sort of helps me like just chalk it up to drama Mm -hmm. 
I mean, tonight's thing, the guy that writes about Liz <laughs> bites a piece of toffee and has to go to the dentist and hears the speech. Sure, it may have happened that way. But also, that's a really easy way to just write that it happened. Yeah, it was a very nice way to, to know, pull it in. Sure. But then when I think about the actual royals, mm-hmm. you know, spending British citizens money to just be royal. The shows that we're watching now right. are talking about those things should have gone the way of the dinosaur with their grandparents. Yeah. And what would happen to the castle? What would happen to Buckingham Palace? Make it a museum. Open oh. it to the public. And kick that family out of their home, Chris? Yes. <laughs> Fucking get a job. They only have three other homes, Chris. Go rent a flat with your mates. <laughs> Like everyone else. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of see Prince Charles even pulling away a little bit. He's really, really into his charities and raising money for charities. The bed and breakfast that he opened at the House of May. Right. The proceeds from that all go to charity. Nice. And that's what he's supposed to be doing. That's really his job. And that's why I think believe some of the British are kind of pissy about Harry leaving because he's not doing his royal duty. Right. Because he does plan to just go get a job. I mean, I don't think he's going to be working at Hardee's, but he'll be making his own money. I mean, good for them. I'll go pay money to hear him talk. I don't care. I don't know if I'd pay money just to hear the man talk. He has a unique voice. I mean, and what he has to say. Sure. You know? Yeah. I. I like and fear. Not the right word. I'm excited. I'm I'm both excited. I'm both excited by Mm -hmm. and a little bit fearful of the near future Mm -hmm. for this world because this is big. This is a big deal. Like if the monarchy does actually collapse. Right. And I don't mean in a bad way, but I just mean in a, we're not going to continue this way. I was going to say, why don't we say go away instead of collapse? Because collapse makes it sounds like without the negative connotation. Lots of things are going to, lots of people are going to die. What do you think of when you hear the word sudden valley? Salad dressing, I think. If the institution goes away. Right. And becomes something else. Mm-hmm. Brexit, I, I find the, the possibility of Brexit very scary. Mm-hmm. I don't live over there, but there's so many economic impacts. Right. Another Trump administration scares the fuck out of me. Right. A Warren or Bernie Sanders administration does the exact opposite mm-hmm. to me. So uh, there's so much going on. Like fucking... Iran and Iraq right now. Like, yeah, fucking jackass president. 2020 has started off with a bang. That's for sure. Seriously. So there's a lot of big shit in the world. And I'm I'm excited that I get to be a part of it over the next 20 years. Right. But I guess what I really think is going to happen, though, is going to be something in the middle of all the extremes. Sure. Hopefully I would be happy with that. Yeah. I would be fine with that. 
hopefully there's some technological, political, and economic positive mm-hmm. change in our near future. Right. But uh, I think we've really strayed from <laughs> Liz and the gang at Balmoral. <laughs> Whatever do you mean, Chris? Um, there was something I wrote down. If we're going to go back. Are, are we done talking about Harry and Markle, do you think? Yeah. Okay. Herkel. What can we call them? Oh, I don't like Herkel. I thought that was funny. It sounds like something a cat does when its tummy doesn't feel good. So let's see. I guess it was Michael, Liz's personal secretary. Right. Uh, when they're at Balmoral and she was she was doing her boot thing. Mm-hmm. Um, told her that the guy that smacked Lord Altrincham was a fucking right wing fascist. Right. Racist. But then based on everything that's happened, mm-hmm. they decide that they're going to give Altrincham a meeting. Mm-hmm. With Martin the Younger, the the former personal secretary. Right. I've just decided that I'm going to call him Martin the Younger. I like that. And I Um, know what that means. Okay. And then I go to the meeting. Do you have anything else between that? No. So they go back to London. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the meeting happens. So Mm -hmm. Altrincham shows up at the palace, gets walked with this military escort up to Martin the Younger's office. Right. And then who shows up for the meeting? Elizabeth surprise (laughs) honestly that had to be a little shocking for him because he was considering not even taking the meeting well right because her secretary didn't even invite him it was his her undersecretary so and it's funny because kind of rolling his eyes they leave him in the room by himself and he's in there looking at the pictures from Eaton College like turn completely turning his back right to whoever enters the room and it's the queen and then they had a really interesting, a really... Uh, wasn't really a conversation. It kind of wasn't. She was really defensive. Yes. Did you see like her posture? Yes. Like her body language, she was just screaming. Her actual language was practically screaming. She was like... She was being terse. Next. And she was being a little dismissive. A lot dismissive. All right. But she ended up listening to the whole thing. She listened to the whole thing. And I don't remember if we actually got a reaction from her at the end of that scene that was positive. Oh, no, because she leaves. Oh, no, she just left. She leaves. She just stood up and left. But then afterward, Lord Altrincham gives her his suggestions, mm-hmm. which were extremely reasonable. Yes. Uh, at least in the show. He has three things he'd like to suggest they do, and then three things he'd like to suggest they stop doing. And... These are all true. These are all things. These are all true. These right. are things that he really did suggest. Yeah. And then by the end of the show, they're like, yeah, most of the stuff really happened. You know, we see mm-hmm. the very next Christmas message that she gives out. They televised it just he, like he asked for. Yeah. He asked her to discontinue the debutante ball, which it did stop in 1958. Okay. So that did stop the next year, which is funny because there's, the whole Downton Abbey episode. Downton's just getting ready to do that. With that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ex- that'll be fun to watch on Downton Abbey, knowing a little bit more about what that actually is. What now. was the, the Dowager Countess had a really great line this morning. She was like, you know, after your fourth ball, you're not so much a debutante as a survivor. <laughs> 
She gets the best lines on that show. Right. right. If it were anyone other than Maggie Smith, I doubt if they would give her those great lines. I really do. I really think the, the screenwriters are writing for that actor. The roles that she plays uh-huh. could not conceivably be played by other actors by anyone at this else. point. There's just no way to recast those parts. Absolutely. She is no Dumbledore. The universe effectively revolves around Maggie Smith. (laughs) Is she a dame? Probably. I believe that she is. Dame Maggie. Yeah. Anyway, back to the show that we watched. The second thing, the show that you actually are listening about. (laughs) Um, The second thing was to allow divorced people to move more freely in royal circles I think at this point, they're at least looking at that anyway Okay. with Margaret's near engagement right? or engagement and breaking of engagement to a divorced person. The subject has come up. I, well, yeah. At least. Number three was get rid of a generation of courtiers. Which I'm not even sure what the hell that means. It means get rid of the old guard, get rid of the Michaels and Tommies of the palace and promote the the Martins and the younger kid who didn't like the word average people and wanted workers. I support that. So, yeah, get rid of, okay. you know, fire the old people, mm-hmm. fire that old clock guy that does it the old way oh. and, and hire the new guy that does it the right way. The old guy's teaching the new guy how to do it. Well, there's always two when you have Sith. No more, no less. A master and an apprentice. But which was destroyed? The master or the apprentice? Fair. Number four was to open up. (laughs) Excuse me? That's what he said. She should open up. Number five was televised the Christmas speech. Right. In order to become more transparent and accessible, which she did that very year. So in real life, right after the crown showed the queen's Christmas speech of 1957, Chris and I watched the actual Christmas speech from 1957, and it was delightful. There was a whole second half of it that was much darker than the part they showed in The Crown. Sure. But, yeah, it was it was really nice. It was almost word for word, too. Uh-huh. And, I mean, you can tell Claire Foy watched that yes. many, many times. Many, many times. Because and fucking nailed it. She really did, especially, like, that smile at the end. Yeah. She had this wonderful smile at the end. And we did notice that on the crown, they replicated the queen's dress, the jewelry that she was wearing and everything. The dress kind of fit Claire Foy a lot better than it fit the queen. (laughs) But they're working with modern fabrics, though, too. I imagine the fabric that they had used on the queen's dress was this horribly because it was gold. It wasn't quite a lame, but it had golden threads in it. So it was probably really stiff and awkward Mm. and. Not really great to work with. Claire Foy looked fucking hot. And number six was to spend time with real working average people. The commoners. You know, I was going to try to avoid using that word, but I did use that word a lot when I was Googling stuff for this show. I mean, Ah. I'm only using the word. (laughs) 
I'm only using the word because that's that's how they approach it. Yeah. There's obviously no real link between royalty and the divine. Queen Elizabeth would disagree with that, but oh, all right. Ta, ta, ta. I, I am free to give a shit what Elizabeth thinks about <laughs> what I think. <laughs> that's just the word they use, and that's it's yeah. Classist and when I was trying to find out information on this dinner party that they invited a bunch of normal mm. average Britners to Britons. I like Britners. That's what I'm gonna use. All right. I did use the word commoners a lot trying to find information on this dinner and I couldn't I couldn't really find anything to to find out if it was something that was carried on or or anything like that. But I think it's obvious from what we see the queen doing in the papers and stuff like that, that she is out and about, even at her age now, right. she's out and about a lot more than she was in the first right. five years of her monarchisty. Monarchisty? Sure. That's what I'm calling it. Right. Britners have a monarchistyism. But there's a garden party now, right? Don't they do a garden party every year or a few years or something? There is a garden party. The garden party has been happening since Queen Victoria. Okay. Since 1859-ish or something like that. And now the garden party numbers are up to like 3,000 people. So it's not like she's actually mixing and mingling. No, sure. A lot. But Also, her age, she isn't going to hang out for that kind of stuff either. Right. One particular scene though, I really enjoyed right towards the end of this episode was when Philip approached Margaret about her hairstylist. Yes. And Margaret is standing there like Patsy fucking stone, just smoking on the cigarette and talking about Vidal baboon. That was great. And it could have totally been straight from absolutely fabulous. It really could have. It really could have. It would have been awesome. I remember liking this scene the first time we watched this episode. I don't remember it. Well, what I remember, though, Uh was like. The the hint of sexual tension between Philip and Margaret. Right. And, you know, obviously it doesn't go anywhere in the show. But the first time through, I was kind of like, whoa, is this going to be a thing? I think there's sexual tension between anyone and Margaret. Oh, fair. You know, I like it when they walk. Yeah, exactly. Right. Bloody hell. I, yeah, I, I completely understand the sexual tension between the world and Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> and her hair did look. It did look really good. Really, really That's good true. in that scene. So let's see. Queen Mom is blah, blah, blahing about their divine rights. Oh, this is right before they're going into to hang the out. The dinner party, right? With the rubes. And they're just like, what about our divine rights? Yeah. And then she says the name of the episode. Thanks. Small wonder we make such a fuss about curtsies, protocol, and precedent. It's all we have left. The last scraps of armor as we go from ruling to reigning to... To what? To being nothing at all. Marionettes. And that's all I got. I mean, the end credits tell us that Altrincham's reforms were were mostly all enacted. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, obviously, from from what we know, IRL, things have changed. Right. Since around then. And I think the point of the episode is that, just like anything else, the monarchy needs to evolve with culture and society. And bringing it back around to Harry and Meghan again, it it is. It's fun to watch the kids be like, hey, this is not going to work for us. Yeah. I'm I'm really curious to see where where that all goes. Yeah, I am too. I'm excited to see what they do. And they'll get support from the right side of history, I believe. You know, the the old guard will will want to hang on, but they'll die. They'll die. And then they'll die. So no biggie. Harry and Meghan kind of sprung this whole plan. According to the news, yeah. Onto the world. One of their aides leaked it. They had, they've been talking about it for a long time. There were some reports that the, the palace is shocked and the whole monarchy is shocked. But those were more the tabloids and things yeah. like that. I did not realize until the past couple of days how incredibly prevalent the tabloid press is in Britain. Holy shit. They have them. And they are mean. And they write, well, they're tabloids. They write whatever the hell they want. Right. And I guess I should have known this from Princess Diana's day. Right. But I just thought it was kind of a one-off thing. But it's not. It's really, really bad. And the racism that the tabloids promote just seeps in and its fingers just reach everywhere and it's awful. Mm -hmm. It's so awful. And I'm super proud of Harry for standing up and just saying, no, fuck you all. You are not going to talk like that about my wife and my family. And you know what? We are Perfectly capable young people, and we can do this on our own. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And it's not like he's writing off the whole family, and it's not like he didn't tell the family beforehand. They knew they're not. I remember when we first heard it, and I looked at you, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I know that news report is saying that everyone is shocked, but no one that he actually knows is shocked. He's been talking. I'm sure he's been talking about this for a long time. That's how you have to make things happen. Cause you gotta, right. gotta have a plan. Gotta have a plan. Gotta have a plan and then execute the plan. Right. So good luck, Harry and Megan. I'm really happy for you. And I hope life turns out exactly how you wish it to. Yeah. Do you think they listen to our podcast? I mean, I assume so. So what do you think of the episode, Chris? You know, I really liked it. I think it started off a little rocky, like what we talked about. But I found myself enthralled with it as opposed to just watching it and throwing down like factual comments about it. Right. You know, I was I was editing the episode four today and that's all about Margaret. So I kind of missed Margaret not being in the shows too much today. Yeah. And then Philip kind of went back to being an asshole. And that's sort of like season one. He flip flops on that a lot. Goes back and forth. But. I also really like it when the the crown, the monarchy, mm-hmm. is faced with a, a real challenge. Yes. 
And this felt very real. Absolutely. And especially with the backing of, yeah, all this shit really actually happened mm-hmm. and they made the reforms from it. Right. That's pretty cool to me. That is pretty cool. That's really um, cool. So yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. Cool. I thought the performances were great. Mm-hmm. My, uh, are you going to ask me what my favorite thing is? Cause I'm going to tell you what my favorite thing is. Do. Okay. Here's my favorite thing. Tell me. It's back to that scene that I didn't talk about first was Elizabeth getting her hair done. Okay. Because the scene changes to her getting her hair done and the music is like big orchestral chorus, gigantic (laughs) music of her getting her hair done. Right. And I thought the juxtaposition was just fantastic. That's pretty funny. What about you? What did you think? I did like this episode. Okay. Not my favorite, not my least favorite. Right. It was good. It was really well put together. I guess I like it when it's about real stuff. Yeah. I like the drama too, especially the Margaret drama. Right. And I don't I don't mind a bit of drama. I, I like it when there's a, a real challenge to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like the first three episodes this season where it was just about Philip and Elizabeth. Yeah. I got so tired of that so fast. Yeah. But having a real challenge between the politics and the monarchy and the the public, you know, public opinion. Right. That kind of drama works really well for this show. And I think they do that really well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite bit? I liked seeing Scotland. Yeah. I did. That's kind of lame. It's not though. It's so beautiful. We'll go back. It's so beautiful. I love you. I love you. I love you in Scotland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, well, let's thank the listeners. We yeah, do, thank you so much. We don't, you know, we 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 have some analytics that we get from the downloads, and we know we have a certain number of downloads every time we post an episode, but we don't really know how many people are out Mm-mm. there listening, or how many of you are telling your friends, or how many of you just started listening this week. But we do this because we enjoy doing this together. And we hope that you enjoy listening to us, blah, 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 about whatever it is we're talking about. <laughs> and listen to me cackle occasionally. And I like the cackling. I'm okay with the cackling. I think it's funny. Yeah. So. That is what it is. So thank you. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, thanks, Jenny Parrott. Always thank you, Jenny Parrott. We got to see Jenny Parrott on the Facebook Live the other day. That was great fun. Back in our, our old hood, Satchel's in Gainesville. Miss you, Gainesville. Yeah, we love you guys. And, um... And God save the queen. God save the queen. Totally TR time. The podcast where the stars align. Reigning queen is Emery. King Chris got that royal sound. When he's discussing the crown. Grab your scepter and around. It's TR time. It's TR time. It's TR question that I asked Sharon tonight after we watched the show was how long did it take? No, was that Downton Abbey? God damn it. I think it was Downton Abbey. I was afraid that would happen when we started watching Downton Abbey again this week. It's all running together now. (laughs) Rewind. Surprise! This is really about us, not about the crowd. Exactly. Oh, that's the wrong song. It is. Do 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 do
I wonder what you just said in Morse code. Gesundheit. Thank you. What's in that purse? And we're back. <laughs> I say sort of, sort of a lot. Sort of. That's going to be on the outtakes. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Schroeder has a cone on this week, so he's our little lampshade puppy. I'm not ashamed of my little lampshade puppy. <laughs> 